everyone and welcome to the Females in Motorsport podcast. I'm Maria and we also have Hannah here too. Hi everyone. This month we have the lovely Jenny Gao here with us, who is a co-lead commentator for Extreme E as well as being a prominent Formula One journalist. Jenny has an extensive knowledge in motorsport and has appeared in the latest series of Drive to Survive. So first of all, Jenny, how are you? I am good, thank you. I'm very good. Apart from I'm going to out myself by saying I must now be the tardiest guest that you've had on the podcast, because not only did I completely fail to turn up for the last booking that we agreed on, um, I'm then remarkably half an hour late for this. Half an hour late? Yeah half an hour late for this one so I'm sitting myself in the naughty corner I have a dunce's hat on and I can only apologize wholeheartedly for being generally rubbish but I'm here now that's all that matters you're here now um so <laughs> let's get cracking um so just to start us off briefly say what your route was to get into the industry and where you are now oh crikey okay I'll try and briefly. do the short version <laughs> yeah okay um, so I decided I want to be in uh, sports journalism and I went off and did training. Um, I actually did a BTEC. I didn't like the degree course. So BTEC in um, journalism, managed to get some work experience at the BBC working in sport. And at the end of that, had some job offers. So started working on sports personality of the century as a production secretary and just worked my way up really, um, going to local radio, commercial radio, um, and did loads of jobs in between until I finally managed to, I suppose, make my dream come true. Um, and here I am now working in sports journalism in Formula One. That sort of sounds great. I want to know kind of what's your favorite thing about your job? Um, I think it has to be the fact that no two days are ever the same. Um, so you can go from one minute feeling like you're an activist and a campaigner to the next minute an investigative journalist um, through to just a great storyteller. There are so many different aspects that you can get thoroughly engrossed in and I love that. Yeah, it's, that's the beauty of motorsport really, isn't it? Um, and for those aspiring to be you, what advice would you give people wanting to break through into the motorsport industry as it's, you know, it's quite competitive to get into? Don't be late. That's a golden rule. Be late for nothing because you never know the sorts of people that if you're late for people when they're on their way up, they could be employing you in the future and then you've totally screwed yourself because they won't give you a job because they know you're always late. Um, but joking aside, um, what advice would I give? It's the same as everybody says. It's such a cliched answer of never take no for an answer. Um, the amount of doors I had closed in my face along the way never really deterred me from keeping on trying I think that resilience is really important and having quite a thick skin I don't have that <laughs> I'm just saying it's good to have one um, and for some reason everybody that I meet that's in my area of journalism tends to from the outside look very confident and strong and you know they've got it all together but on the inside we're all just kind of living day to day thinking are we good enough you know always um striving to be better so you're never the finished article i definitely agree with that and you mentioned kind of how in the future someone could possibly be employing you 
How did you end up kind of growing your network and why is it so important to do so? Oh, I'm the worst networker. Literally, I hate it. And COVID has been a blessing in disguise because it means that I don't have to go to parties. I don't have to worry about kind of, uh, you know, making that fake conversation that you have to have um, and small talking to people who really don't care what I'm saying because they're looking over their shoulder on my shoulder looking for like the better person who's going to come along and I used to always hate that fake media world that London kind of gave me um, and I've had some brilliant nights out don't get me wrong and some great parties but in general those networking events can be quite stressful and you get very little from them um, Whereas I think at the beginning, reaching out to people and, and offering to do work um, and to have kind of those meaningful relationships that you build through going to events and trying to be part of everything. For me, I found that a much more genuine connection that you're making with somebody. So at the beginning, that's what I did. I mean, we didn't have LinkedIn and social media, which I think is a it can be a good thing and it can be a, a hugely negative thing these days but I just wrote a lot of emails I picked up the phone and I think that's the thing it's worth stating is that actually nobody phones each other anymore but if you're willing to pick up the phone to somebody that you'd like to work for and actually have a conversation with them if they've got the time to do that or schedule a time when they are free it will blow someone's mind because it's like a phone? How is this person knowing I've got a phone? So track people down, try and make genuine connections with people and be interested and interesting. That's harder, but be interested in what people are saying. <laughs> Great advice there. Um, and obviously you have quite a lot of knowledge and experience. What is the biggest mistake or are the biggest mistakes you've made that you carry through because obviously you learn from your mistakes and they're really important um so what is what one stands out for you the most um there's so many different examples i think in this day and age of social media um what i would say as a journalist is you are totally responsible for the stories that you put out so whether it's the fact that you think you've got an exclusive because somebody's tweeted something or you've seen something on social media and you react to it without checking it, you've got to remember you're a journalist first and foremost. It might be exciting. You might be trying to break something first before anybody else. But I'll still remember it's, um, it's better to be right than to be first. So if you've got any thought about and you need to double check you absolutely can't take somebody on social media's word for something unless it's a you know a first-hand source in which case of course if Marcus Rashford is saying things about the England match that is a fact but if you're hearing it secondhand remember to get your two sources check it double check it and don't just you, you're putting a lot on the line and it's very easy to press return and send and put something out on social media and it could be a massive mistake so just be careful don't be um I suppose don't be led into making a mistake that could haunt you for the rest of your career I absolutely agree with you on that one it's definitely better to be kind of a little bit more cautious and safe and hopefully and eventually it works out the story now this one isn't from my personal experience but a lot of people on the grid 
for them, maybe being a parent can be quite difficult when juggling a job in motorsport. So how would you manage to fit everything in? With amazing in-laws and amazing parents and great help from everybody. Um, yeah, being a parent is tough um, if you're trying to combine that with a career in motorsport. Being a mum is doubly tough because people are still of the belief, I think, that if you've had a child, you shouldn't maybe be full time again in a paddock because that's just the way people think, apparently, which is quite an antiquated way of thinking to me. If I want to go back into the paddock and into motorsport full time, there are plenty of other parents who work full time in the paddock. Um, and it's still something that we have to push through and make acceptable. And it's, it's sad to say that, um, but there we go. Um, it's just one of the cases, but it is hard to juggle. Um, and I don't have a fix for it <laughs> because you have to find your own way of dealing with it, whether that be extra childcare, extra support emotionally, whatever it may be. But I remember the first time I flew to a long haul um wasn't the first race I think it was the second race that I, I went away from my daughter and I think I don't even think it was Australia it was somewhere like a Malaysia or a Bahrain somewhere like that so a fairly decent length of, of flight and it was about seven hours into the flight I suddenly went oh my god what am I doing I've literally I've left my child at home with I think it was probably my parents and I'm going to work I, I just must be crazy and I, I remember feeling very upset about it thinking oh gosh I miss her what am I doing I'm making a mistake and then I got to work and I remembered every reason about why I'm doing it and why I still want to be doing it even though I'm a mum and hopefully <laughs> touch wood one day she'll turn around and be proud of what I've done and, and not just need a lot of um a lot of therapy <laughs> Definitely, I think it's one of them things. Being a parent's like the hardest, maybe job of them all. So it must prepare you quite well for whatever you have to do within motorsport when chaos unfolds. But obviously, this year's scene, probably one of the most exciting arrivals on the scene is the creation of Extreme E. And I wanted to know what does Extreme E mean to you? Equality. I mean, it's it's fun. It's competitive. It's different. It's um, environmentally driven. But it, it, it definitely means equality in every sense. And the fact that, you know, the production team is made up of a huge amount of females. They've got me on board as a co-commentator um, or lead co-coms. It's a really confusing job title. Um, and they've got Layla there as um, pit reporter. And they have a female driver in every team, or I should say a driver who is female in every team. Um, is just such a great step forward and I love it. Great, short and snappy, so good. Um, and what's it like commentating? Do, do you prefer it to like your other roles or is it completely different? What is it, what's it like? It's so different, so challenging. And I think that's why I like it because it's a skill set I don't have or I'm, I'm getting quite quickly. Um, and it's very different from commentating on, let's say Formula One, uh, where you've got a huge archive of knowledge. You've got multiple timing screen, screens, 20 cars on track. And that 
that is a skill set that's a lot harder to learn. Um, but actually, this is a new motorsport. It doesn't have all the archive. It doesn't have a huge amount of timing screens to read. And it has a different purpose. It's not designed just for motorsports fans. So it has such a cross section that it needs storytellers. And that's, I think, why they went for someone like me who can kind of be half presenter, half commentator and take people through the journey of what is Extreme E. Definitely, I think it's, with Formula it's obviously a new series on the scene and there's been kind of lots of different, of, get me words up, uh, there's been lots of different opinions about it. So do you think it's beginning to shift those opinions, especially after the two rounds that we've had so far? Um, I, I have to say, I was thrilled, delighted that all of the feedback I had was positive feedback from people. They were enthused about it. Um, they could see a bigger picture of what it was trying to achieve, trying to do. And we've kind of all tweaked around. I say we've tweaked with the sporting regs. I, mean, I haven't. I just gave them some feedback, but I thought the first one could do with being a bit better. And we all thought that we're all learning this together. And I think you can see the path that Formula E has taken of adapting, changing um, and growing as a sport. Extreme E is having to do that very quickly with just five rounds in the season. You've got to learn from event one, go to event two, react to that and make changes. And it'll be the same with event three. Go there, make changes that we've learned from two and go onwards and improve the product every single moment of every single race weekend. Great. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and what are your thoughts on McLaren joining for next season? It's epic. <laughs> we need um, to enlist manufacturers and big names and the fact that McLaren, I think, is a very forward-thinking brand right now. Um, they want to get involved. They see the benefit of Extreme E from many levels. But who's going to be their female driver? I mean, it's, it, you, it opens up a really exciting potential. If we can get more of the big-name manufacturers to join the roster of teams that we have in Extreme E, then you're looking at really groundbreaking work when it comes to females racing at a really high level, if not being associated with the top level. And to me, that seat is now the hottest seat in motorsport, full stop. And that is, you know, it's pinch yourself moment, isn't it? It's like, wow, this is, this is doing some serious stuff. Completely, I think many of us, we probably couldn't have imagined maybe 15 years ago or so seeing a potential female McLaren driver up there. So it's definitely exciting to see. And you mentioned kind of the trailblazing work that Shumi's doing and the importance of equality. What do you think about Shumi's decision to require both a male and a female driver as part of each team? It's genius because I think we all have a lot to learn from each other. And whilst there are only male drivers at the top level, they're missing a wealth of knowledge of, of not experience, but experience of different fields potentially, because they don't have, we don't have F1 experience as, as females at the moment. But it's, it's paving the way for this kind of, I don't know, I, I suppose sharing of ideals and ideas 
And it's not just about a male teaching a female how to drive. That is not what it's about. There are strategic elements. There are decision-making processes in the car and you, you come together as a team to work on that. So it's gonna bring both drivers up to a better level. And that's really exciting. And, and the fact is the strongest pairing will win the championship. So it doesn't matter how good your male is, if your female isn't good enough, it's got to be the best pairing coming together and working as a team. And I think that's a huge development and something totally different from what we've been used to before ever. Yeah, I think difference, um, don't do the same old changing things is, is the way it's going to help women um, promote. And following on from that, do you think Extremely is good for the promotion of women in the industry? And if so, why? Yeah, I think diversity wise, if you just look at inclusion, um, not just females, but the, the teams are made up. It's a very small number of people in each team where it be mechanics and engineers working together in quite remote locations. So it's really valuable to getting getting the message across when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Um, and, you know, we, we've got the X44 team and they're bringing in a far more diverse um, range of mechanics and engineers than we've seen before in any team, I think, it, it, of, of my knowledge. Um, and there are programs in America and Australia that I know are moving things forward as well, but it's a really exciting moment in time. And, and I think it just gives these incredible females a platform, a platform on mainstream network TV that says, you know what, you might never have heard of me, but I am darn good at what I do. And this is why you should open your minds to the fact that, yes, there might not be a female right now in F1 competitively, but there are all these other types of motorsport in the world, across the world. And there are some first rate drivers out there who are now getting the spotlight shone on them because of Extreme E. So it can only be a good thing. And if, if there are people looking at Extreme E at the moment and those drivers, they should be blown away and they should be saying, I want her on my roster, no matter what sport, motorsport they are in, because they've shown they are incredible drivers. Completely. And obviously, speaking of incredible drivers, one of Extreme's life is Jamie Chadwick, and then her also combines it with her role in the Williams Driver Academy. Do you think Formula One should kind of adopt a similar strategy to Extreme e and maybe insist on having at least one female driver or support driver in their lineup? 100%. Um, I'm really pushing for it at the moment. I'm trying to talk to people, I'm trying to motivate people to think that actually if you're looking for diversity and inclusion, then you've got W Series working hand in hand with Formula One on a race weekend now. There is absolutely no reason why you can't follow the principle that Aston Martin have employed in bringing a W Series driver across to be a brand ambassador for them. And you have that mentorship role and you're, okay, they don't have to be a development driver. If, if that isn't gonna work for the team per se, fine, don't do that. But I feel like if if we really want to push the matter, then yes, every team should want to have a female in their roster. It, it shouldn't be us banging the door down. They should be banging the door down on female drivers saying, I want you to be part of our team because actually I want my team to appeal 
to the broadest cross-section possible. And that means bringing in people of color, of ethnicity, mixed ethnicity. I can never say this right, and it's a nightmare. Um, but you know what I'm trying to say? People of every different color and creed, and it just has, motorsport has to do a better job of including people. And the Hamilton Commission will hopefully help that, but it doesn't matter what your background is, your future should be able to be motorsport. Definitely. Um, and how important do you see your role as being a lead in things such as Extreme E, BBC coverage, because obviously your voice signals, women can be experienced and incredibly knowledgeable, not just a pretty face as stigmas kind of show. Um, do you feel, feel your role breaks stereotypes? I hope it does. It's really hard. I think with more chat about diversity and inclusion, I've really had to do some soul searching because it's quite clear how I got my job at first which is that they were looking for a female because on radio you have to have a mixture of voices. So if you put three men on the radio at the same time, it's almost impossible to tell them apart, even if they have different accents. So they'll always try and break um, that um, vo vocal tone, I suppose, by putting in a female voice. So I was very clear at the beginning that I was getting the role because I was female. But I think my time in F1 tells me that that's fine. You can, you can get your foot in the door by being female, by being black, whatever it is that makes you different from everybody else. You've got to be good to keep your foot in the door and to stay there and build a place for yourself. So all I can hope is that by the fact that I've been there for a while and I'm now working in other motorsport and other sports shows that, yes, I might have got my job because I was female, but I keep my job because I'm good at what I do. And I think that's really important for people coming into the industry to remember. It's not good enough to just be different or to have something unusual about you that you can offer a job place. You've still got to be good at what you do. Definitely, and you've certainly been a trailblazer in your role. And I always ask, do you believe that stigma still lie within the industry, especially in motorsports? And why, if so, why do you think they continue to persist? I think they do. Um, I don't think it's, it's not always so clear. It's not an out and out, oh, they hate us because we're women. It's It's much more subtle in that and more underlying um and people talk about systemic racism i think it's something it's not comparable because it, it can never be comparable with racism but if you look at i suppose the old guard of motorsport they're still there like it's a generational issue in that there'll be some people whose opinion will always be that women don't belong in motorsport, women don't belong in Formula One, or if they do, it's just to be pretty, it's just to look good, it's to make the place a nicer place. Um, and I do think there is a slight issue with the machismo of Formula One in that we have 20 drivers in the paddock um, and it's a very macho sport, but also, just the, the way that it's 
run, I suppose, in that you get lovely after parties for Formula One, not in COVID times, clearly, but um, motorsport in general is prone to men drive and then they can go back to the hotel and have a party with lots of beautiful women. And even, even now, I still think that that kind of psychology of, oh, blokes away from home, have a bit of a laugh while they're away, dance with beautiful women, lots of alcohol, blah, blah, blah. I still think that's there. So I think it's gonna take some very strong role models within the paddock to come out and say you know what it's okay to be married and have kids and be fine by not being a misogynist and by not going out and wanting to party all the time with very attractive women and blah blah but it's a problem throughout sport if, if you look at it all then we have a lot of amazing sportsmen who think it's absolutely fine to have affairs and to you know have a very fast lifestyle and I think it's just it's just endemic of sport and you achieve a lot and then you go and celebrate a lot <laughs> it's probably not celebrating at home sometimes it's so I can't you can't tar everybody with the same brush and that's the problem with me saying this and I always feel genuinely bad for people who are faithful within sport but I don't think there are that many of them that's the problem <laughs> I'm going to get myself into such trouble. <laughs> no, uh, sometimes the truth hurts. Um, the truth is the truth and you can't go around that. Um, it's staring a lot of people right in the face and it needs to be changed. So how do you think like these stigmas need to be changed? Um, what, in your opinion, should be done? Obviously, it's going to take a long time, but what, what should be the first step? Oh, it's so difficult, isn't it? because you're you're trying to reverse um something that's it's just been so ingrained in motorsport um and i don't know where i see the change we just need to have more females coming through and i think it is a, a numbers game if you can get more females coming through from a younger age more girls into karting progressing from karting going into lower league whether that be as a driver an engineer a mechanic or whatever part of the team that you can be then all of a sudden I think people question their own actions because they suddenly realize oh I'm seeing this person as an engineer who happens to be female and that changes the dynamic of a team it changes what's acceptable when a team's away from home because all of a sudden it's not you know the done thing because half the team are female but I also think we have a responsibility as well as females within motorsport a lot of the time I think I am quite laddie and I accept quite crass behaviour and speech and I don't call people out very often because I think partly because I am laddie but also I, I fear that if I called people out for using words I don't feel comfortable with let's say then I wouldn't keep my place in the sport very long because that makes people feel uncomfortable and if they feel uncomfortable then they don't talk to you and then you you know you see the problem spiraling and all of a sudden you don't have any work um so a little bit of it is on us to actually when something happens that we don't think is appropriate to call it out but it's still really hard to do that and 
if I'm saying that as someone who's an old fuddy-duddy who's been in the sport for yonks, then I can only imagine how difficult it is for people now coming into the sport to call it out who don't have years of experience to rely on. Um, I don't know. I don't know how both of you feel if if you feel that it's changing for you guys or if you still feel like sometimes you're walking in eggshells. I think for me, when I'm racing, I just once my helmet's on, I'm, I'm no different to anybody else. And, you know, I've been in a, couple, a couple of months ago, I've been called names. So last lap, last corner thing. And this guy was not happy at all. I'm sorry, I was just the better driver in that situation and I shouldn't be judged for that, you know. And, you know, years ago, I took my helmet off after race and someone said, oh, you're a girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's sad, but I've just got used to it. And But there is also a lot of respect out there for girls. Um, you just get the odd one or two or such that don't like it and just can't get over the fact that a girl's overtaken them and it's better than them and quicker than them and stuff like that or better at the job and better at writing you know it goes not just for driving but for careers too definitely think it bruises a few people's ego sometimes i have it because i'm trained to be a journalist is i've gone into press conferences and i've seen i could sometimes be the only female on the call and you'll see people look at their webcams and think she turned up to the right place and i just think or even on interviews or stories I've written and people have turned around and said, oh, you're only saying this because you're a woman or if I write about W series. And I just think the best or the worst thing that always happens to me, and I know it's happened to female journalists in other sports, is when they quiz you on your trivia to check that you've known it for long enough. And it's just frustrating because you know it wouldn't happen to a bloke. So it's always quite nice when they ask, oh, who won the world championship this year? And you pop out and say Damon Hill, and then they just get rather surprised. So it's just, it's one of them kind of frustrating aspects of it. But you mentioned the fact that, obviously, over the next couple of years, we'd like to see more women coming through into motorsport. What else would you like to see happen with the females in motorsport movement? And do you think it's likely to happen, given the rate of change at the moment? It does seem like we're at a really exciting time, I think for for women in motorsport it does feel like things are changing quite quickly so my hope is that actually this is the start of something very exciting and you know we we have to hold on to the coattails of people like Jamie Chadwick and we have to hold them up as our idols and say come on please just get a chunk load of FIA points so that you can be ready and experienced enough to go and give it a real try because I don't know how frustrating it will be for all of us if someone comes through and finally gets a chance and then actually they're not ready. That will be the worst thing, I think, for everybody if that happens. So it needs to be the right person. They need to be ready. They need to be developed enough. They need to have the thickest skin possible to be able to put up with what is going to be a rough ride for them. But you know what there are some amazing drivers out there who happen to be female and by embracing them and showing kids boys and girls that that is the future of motorsport that it isn't just uh, a male arena then that that's the best thing we can do and you know we have a lot of amazing people that we can cheer on at the moment so we're really lucky to be in a time where we can write about females in motorsport and we can fill up more than half a page 
we'll definitely be keeping all of our fingers crossed for all the female drivers out there. <clears throat> I think that's definitely a very positive and optimistic note to end on. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Jenny for joining us and providing some really interesting points. Go and follow the females in Motorsport Pages and Jenny, you'll find all of the links in the description of this episode. Jenny's an inspiration and we wish you all the best for the remainder of the Extreme East season and F1 season. And once again, thank you to everyone for tuning in.